We're going to carry on talking about, uh, we're coming near the end of the year, so we thought we'd probably better wrap this series up. We've been doing a series on spirituality and um, the Christian life, and it's gone for about 100 years, um, or six months, whichever you like, depending on how much you like to exaggerate. Um, and this morning we took you back in time a little bit uh, with the beautifully illustrated uh, guide to um, spirituality and it referred to a whole bunch of stuff um, that we covered in the start of the year, talking about how spirituality really is about connecting with what's most meaningful in life. And um, Christian spirituality points us to that what's most meaningful in life somehow is an echo of um, God, the creator, the lover, the sustainer, the giver of life. Um, this little subsection here we're talking about this morning is uh, is really about why on such a beautiful morning for sleeping in, um, when your head might still be buzzing a little from the night before, you would bother getting out of bed <laughs> for this ragged bunch of people? Um, and it's a really good question on a rainy morning in Melbourne, why you're here and what exactly you're hoping to get out of it. Um, I have wrestled for <laughs> most of my life about whether I think that church participation is worthwhile. Um, I don't just believe in this kind of church, by the way. I think house churches are pretty cool. I think um, big cathedrals are pretty cool. I think little rugged, medium-sized ones like this are pretty cool. It's all a matter of perspective, how big this place is. I talked to someone the other day um, who's a, uh, a high Anglican, and he the biggest church he's been in is 30, um, and 25 of them are paid singers. And, um, and he was just like, man, 150, that's just like, I can't even comprehend. Like, that must just be so complicated. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Depends where you come from, because like 150 is like tiny, <laughs> depending on what, world, what planet you come from. Um, but I, I believe in lots of different kinds of churches. But um, the question of why we gather, I think, is a really important one to reflect on. Some people just do it because they've always done it, but um, other people um, have felt for periods of time that they could really do without it um, through pain and complication and inconvenience and all kinds of things. Ultimately, I think that um, I think a gathering, um, even though I'm quite a strong advocate for there being seasons of time where perhaps you need some time away from gathering, um, ultimately I, I really believe in, um, in gathering together as a Christian community. I think it's incredibly shaping and, and formational. And today we're going to explore how... Um, Gathering together connects us with a rhythm um, of life and a way of life and a vision of beauty. Um, gathering together shapes what we see life being about. And um, Christian community um, has always been materialistic in the sense, not in, in the negative sense of materialism, but in the positive sense of materialism that um, Christian community is embodied. It, um, it isn't just a an abstract um, realm of philosophies and ideas that you can um, choose to um, take or leave. Um, as Christians, we're born into a community of people, and we have to learn how the love of God plays out in amongst us. And I think that's quite a powerful thing. Um, I don't know if you realize how irritating you can be sometimes. Um, the feeling and the feelings definitely, definitely mutual. But um, we have to learn how to live together. Um, but hopefully we learn something more than just how to live together. Hopefully we learn how to fall in love with something more beautiful than just our own little vision of ourselves and our own little kingdom. Um, 
James K.A. Smith, I'll be drawing a lot from a book called Desiring the Kingdom this morning, which if you're an edu- who's in education, any educators here? Um, yeah, um, Desiring the Kingdom is a um, fascinating look into um, education as being more than just information. Um, James K.A. Smith argues that our default way of engaging the world, he's, um, he's big on Heidegger, um, our default way of engaging the world is pre- pre-reflective or pre-rational. We feel our way around the world, walking, uh, working towards what we ultimately love, our vision of the good life or the essence of what life is all about. We think um, that we plan our lives very carefully. Um, James K. Smith would argue that before we think, we love, and that our thinking is actually shaped by what we love. And none of this might make any sense to you right now, but hopefully as we um, track along this morning, it will become more and more clear. But essentially, the argument is, is that we don't actually think about every tiny little thing that we do. For the most part, we operate on autopilot. And that autopilot points us towards what we think life should be really about. We direct our energies towards what we ultimately love, the good life. The things that shape what we love um, are often more subtle than we think. And so this morning we're going to use some illustrations. Um, We're going to use a beer ad (laughs) and a car commercial and then a series of other things to um, explore the vision, our vision of the good life. So I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. This is imagination time. Ooh. It does help if you do this before. Ooh. Imagining. Um, SpongeBob told me so. Imagine your every day. Imagine Monday morning. It's a morning like this morning. It's supposed to be spring, but it's not. It's cold. It's raining. You stayed up late last night having an argument with somebody that you love. You're going to work tomorrow. And it's not going to be a great day because you've got a few too many things to do. Your to-do list is a bit bigger than the hours that you've got. You like your job just fine, but tomorrow maybe it'd be better not to go. Now I want you to watch this. As 
Corona Extra, from where you'd rather be. Take a break from this world and you'll feel miles from the places that you used to be. Who would like to go to Mexico this morning? Without your uh, critical goggles on, I want you to ask what this ad is trying to tell you. What's the good life? What ultimately matters? What's the good life? What ultimately matters? We can have a few people um, volunteer information if they'd like. What is this ad trying to tell you the good life is? Oh, yes. Hanging out with your friends in a lovely place. What do your friends look like? Young and beautiful. Excellent. Good. Uh, I think there's some kind of freedom, being able to go wherever you want, just take up and leave. Good, good. Good, good, yeah. Snogok. Were you here for your illustrations this morning? Shame on you. Um, having no troubles at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. No. No commitments. It's not just having no troubles. Your troubles are easily solved. Your, your trouble is getting around the next uh, to the next beach. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Any, any, any more? What's that? There was no food. <laughs> Yes, there was. Corona Extra. <laughs> and that kind of fish that was hanging there. Yeah. Which if you had enough Corona Extra, it would taste fantastic. <laughs> Enjoying the fruits of other people's labour. Yeah, yeah. Enjoying watching the peasants. Who was it that said we'd go overseas to um, watch the people that we ignore at home? It's true. Peasant farmers overseas, fascinating. Dairy farmers here, don't get them started. Um, <laughs> sorry, dairy farmers. Um, 
So this vision of life shapes how we put our energy. Already some of us from watching this this morning, even though we're critically engaging with it, are still thinking about how we can get our next holiday a little bit faster and where we can go. Um, It's a vision of the good life. And it's not, let's be careful here, travel, escape, uh, Corona Extra is bad. It is a bad beer. Um, (laughs) Friends, beautiful and not. Um, All of those things are are good things. But what I kind of want to engage with this morning is that slowly with enough immersion in these things, they become the ultimate things and take up more space in our imagination that perhaps is warranted. Okay, you're going to a high school reunion. Who's been to a high school reunion? I never have. Um, <laughs> I think they might have had them and just not invited me. Sounds a lot like high school. Um, <laughs> Got to do the lighting, which is great. Um, You've got an upcoming high school reunion. Think of the people that went to high school that you'd really like to impress, whether it's because you love them or because you hate them. Think of the people at work or at uni who you'd really like to impress now. Think of some of the things that you'd like to do with your life, but you just can't because you're not really in a position to. Now watch this ad. Teach that kid to hold a bat right. Hey, what's happened to the Robinsons? They bought a Jeep. Look at the Robinsons, la-di-da. Okay, cool. Um, What's it trying to tell you? What is the good life? What ultimately matters? I bought a Jeep. Did you, Mark? Congratulations, guys, Mark got a Jeep. So now he's released to do so many other things that he wasn't able to do before. What else is it telling us? What's that? Oh, you don't need to bother about mowing lawns and you've got a Jeep because you're off to having too much fun. What else is it telling us? Yeah? That uh, normal life is really boring compared to what other people in Jeeps are doing. Exactly. No, it was really boring compared to what the people in Jeeps are doing. You just stuck there playing with your dumb kid, but they're having like heaps of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because in other ads, that would be presented as the good life, is having time to be with your kids and family, but all of a sudden that's not enough either. Yeah, yeah so they're, well, they are having time with the kids and family, but better time. Yeah, like, you know, the time that everyone wants to be having. They bought the equipment that releases them to do that stuff. What else is it telling us? The way the woman was putting her shoes on, I wonder if there's a subtle threat that if you don't <laughs> purchase necessary accoutrements, then your wife will, your relationships will fall apart and your life will walk off on you. Exactly. Someone else is having a better life than you and um, be warned, other, you know, your good friends and lovers may, um, hopefully just one lover, lover may, um, 
We're not that liberal. Um, may, may go and join them. She may have an affair with Mr. Robinson or Mrs. Let's not, let's not be narrow. Um, so there's this critical bit of equipment that's really holding you back from the having, the, having you know, your life's all right. You've got a kid, you know. He can't hold a cricket bat. But um, <laughs> he's going to play for New Zealand sometime, I'm sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's probably the problem with our batters, is it? Um, you know, so, so, so your life's okay, but there's something missing. The, the, the theme through those Jeep ads, it's really funny. I was actually looking for another Jeep ad. There's a whole series of them. There's one of them um, on a golf course. And, um, and the guy's like, you know, here, so-and-so bought a Jeep. Oh, bought a Jeep? Wish I bought a Jeep. And there's this whole thing of like that FOMO missing out. Like he just jumped up the social ladder, um, but I can't get there. The funny thing is it can't be found on the internet. Um, they did a whole series of them and have only, on the Jeep YouTube page and every other page, they've only kept a few of them. And I reckon that they possibly um, got crowd feedback on that and realized that that message is just too obvious and blatant um, and, and, and haven't published it. But anyway, um, so there's this whole idea that, um, that shapes who we are. So you, you think about that and you think about, man, if I, you know, you know the problem is we're quite smart. So we can kind of go, I know what that ad's trying to do, so I'm going to think about this and, like, not do that. But the problem is, is that we've kind of, at the same time, fallen in love with something that comes before our thinking. This vision of the good life that drives us to work a little bit hard. Why do we work so hard? So we can think all of these things about balance and we can think all these things about like, I don't need stuff for status. We can think all these things about like, I can't live in Mexico the whole time. We can think all of these things, but somehow the exposure to these narratives seep within us. I remember um, working with someone and um, a beach house track came on and they're like, she goes, oh, I wish I was in Sweden. I saw them live. (laughs) And suddenly we were having a great day and it just went, like we were actually having a freely good shift making coffee. Um, and then suddenly like she went kind of spiraled down for the rest of the day because she's not in Sweden because um, Beach House came on. So even though rationally she'd go, yeah, we're having a good, good day. I'm working. I enjoy my job. The people, the company's great. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> handsome. Um, but somewhere, somewhere pre-logic, stuff seeps into us and shapes our imagination and makes us fall in love um, with a vision of life that drives us and that we put our energy towards these things without thinking about them. Now I want you to listen to this. I'm going to ask uh, Pete and uh, Kat to come and assist me. And then John McCarrow, who's not here, but um, we've got his, uh, uh, his delightful ginger head on, um, on video for us. So Pete, Pete, you can lead off. Why don't you close your eyes for just a minute, just for this bit, and let these... Um, Let this word sink in. So this is a reading from the Bible. It's from Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is also a reading from the Bible. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. 
Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. And this is from Revelation 21, 1-5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Now watch this. <coughs> I met a man who saw the world differently, sat cross-legged, at his feet and he told me, remember the past, but cast your eyes forward. For tomorrow, our hope shall be a louder voice than our apathy. Our apathy shall finally take a step forward. Our steps forward shall lead us somewhere, mean something, hold meaning like friends, hold each other crying. I am crying for this world to change. Tears of empathy and sometimes apathy, I cry today for tomorrow even these tears shall be wiped from our faces lift your cheeks though they are wet there is one who shall collect them yet hold them in his hands and call it the ocean beckon you to set sail turn your face to the horizon for tomorrow the nooses drawn tight around the necks of the oppressed will be like halos like the saints around their heads a guiding light for the rest of us let us see the way forward comes not through power and politic but through small acts of courage and change 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 us like loose coins are never gonna fix this problem so let us go deeper than just charity change us like sweatshops closing change us like politicians stop posing change us like half the women of the world don't have to be abused change us like somebody has to stand up for tomorrow we shall not just talk of gender equality but rather women who in total work two-thirds 
of the world's working hours will one day get paid more than just 10% of the world's income for tomorrow. We imagine a day when corners do not exist. Those years of muddy lips pressed against white skin, the many times she'd lie under the weight of a man's insecurity forced into slavery fingers that rub bruises into her flesh as the sweat of large men stain her breasts that are the tools of her trade street worker taking tricks on her corner. Imagine a day when corners do not exist. For tomorrow, the weapons will be piled high and tanks left dry, drones in the sky, no more. We turn their swords into plowshares. I make a garden from your M16. I irrigate the earth from your death machine and hold out to you a meal for us all to sit at the same table. For tomorrow, Israeli and Palestinian shall sit down and have dinner again. The rich shall eat with the poor and the oppressor with the oppressed and they shall talk of forgiveness truth and reconciliation for tomorrow the betrayed shall no longer seek revenge and revenge shall no longer be found in the dictionary and neither shall poverty nor infant mortality nor hungry nor thirsty nor children searching through waste dumps oil pumps leaking the ocean 21 million in slavery no more for tomorrow we live in color for tomorrow we dance on the streets for tomorrow we look the other in the eye for tomorrow we embrace for tomorrow we are set free for today we crawl on our hands and knees believing the tomorrow we are seeing stretch our eyes forward move our limbs turn our heads toward the sound of liberation we wait and this waiting is an ache and this ache is a burden, heavy and hopeful. This ache is a back scratch, never quite reaching that sweet spot. And so we keep on scratching, we keep on moving, we keep on working, we keep on crawling, we keep going forward. We seek for tomorrow by acting today until this world is as it was always meant to be. What's it telling you? What does the good life look like? What ultimately matters?
Joel painted a picture that we were all free and equal and there was people didn't have to do things that were awful and you know there was no poverty no no abuse yeah what matters from those readings in that video Um, I think that painted a picture of the good life being um, you giving what you can so that others can be free. Yeah. Something that struck me about that was that um, it's about bringing the grand into the small because I think we can get really, I think painting us such a broad picture of our global crisis at the moment like that can cripple people into a place of anxiety. But I think that if we can find, pick up on what Joel was saying about the small things that we, we can do that leading to change, etc., that can empower us to actually do something constructively. Um, so. Yeah. Um, that is one of the best and most clear, I guess, descriptions of kingdom life that I've, that I've seen. Um, I love the kingdom of God. And our, we gather to remember that, you know, sometimes Jeeps are fine. Cars take you places. Trips to Mexico with your friends can be amazing and there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, if that's what our lives are lived towards as the final goal and destination for the sweatshop worker, for the person working on the street, for that person at work who gets left out for your kids who need loving for all of those things. I think that Jesus provides us with a vision of beauty that trumps them all and that is found in such ordinary life sometimes. And that our attempts to escape are often actually escaping the things that really matter most. So we gather And we act out. In the corona ad, every person on the screen was beautiful in a very, very narrow and particular way. In our congregation, we face beauty of all kinds. And those ads, everyone was a certain age. Everyone else has mysteriously disappeared. As we gather, we face people who are just beginning life and people whose lives are drawing to a close and they all matter. In that ad for the Jeep, we're all on competition. But when we gather, 
We share a meal where there's enough, where everyone gets something, where there's no priority given to anybody, where every single person sits as an equal. We act out an imagination, a vision of beauty and goodness. And this week by week becomes a centering rhythm which shapes where we put our energy the rest of the week. It reminds us of who we are, of who God is, of what we're really living towards. And we soak it into us. We're not just rationally thinking about life. We're falling in love with a vision of beauty together around the person of Jesus Christ who loves every one of us liberally and equally. We act out and this acting out forms us and shapes us and directs our desires. It tells us when an escape to Mexico is a great thing and when it's just running away. It helps tell us when a new car is really important and when it doesn't matter as much if the neighbours have got one and we don't. This morning we're going to eat and drink, commune together. I'd love you to share the elements among your table. Um, if you don't know anyone at your table, you just make sure you know each other's names. You can get your chief cracker breaker to crack the cracker. And let's eat and drink together as the beloved children of God, as equals, as those living lives towards a vision of equality and justice and beauty and grace and goodness. Those who believe that despite the despair of the world that God is working underneath it all somehow and that he will make all things new and that he's invited us to participate in that. And that our energies put towards those good things aren't wasted, even though they might be unnoticed. That nothing, none of it is ever lost. That weapons will one day be made into plowshares. That one day we'll see the beauty in everyone. That loneliness will come to an end. That old people in the rest homes won't be forgotten. Again, we've got some crackers here.
as we gather each week. Father, let us fall in love together. Let it be a centering experience. As we look at faces of people that you really love, may we go out into the world and see people that you love everywhere. As we remember what really matters and what lies underneath all of life, let us fall in love together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, We're going to say our benediction in just a moment. Um, If you could help us out by um, taking your communion cups and stuff back over to the corner, that helps our kitchen people out tons. That'd be amazing. Um, There's some biscuits and tea and coffee just in case you've only had eight cups of tea and just really need that ninth. Um, There's toilets there and there. (laughs) Comes hand in hand with that. Um, Let's stand together. And we close our eyes. Receive the blessing. May you always stand tall as a tree. Be as strong as the rock, Uluru. As still and gentle as the morning mist. Hold the warmth of the campfire in your heart. And may the creator spirit always walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace.